Welcome, welcome, listeners. If you're mad as a hatter for a little ink splatter, if you're uh, hot to blot, and uh, if writing lines gets you uh, like a fine wine, you're in the right place. That's right, scribes and scribblers, you're back once again with the Nib Section, official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Today's episode is called Analog Strikes Back. Uh, we'll get into it in a second. We've got a fantastic panel for you today, and me also. Uh, <laughs> first up on the panel, and uh, actually in a chair today, fearless leader uh, Diana. Always good to see you, Di. You, you were described as uh, like the collector from the Marvel movies by our guest host today. Oh, wow. I have yeah, to pay them back with the, um, <laughs> the, similar the, compliments. The, the, the Benicio Del Toro in, uh, in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy one. Are you sure that was someone else on the panel, not just you? No, it was not me. Okay. Um, I've had a bit of a dry morning. Um, <laughs> sure you have. Yeah. Just three glasses relatively. Yeah, dry. yeah. Uh, well, I, I did stop before midnight, so it doesn't count as morning. Next up, we have a now frequent panelist, generous benefactor, the extra fine Sharon Zah. Welcome. Thank welcome, you. Thank welcome. you. I can't say the same. I'm not actually dried this morning. Yep. I had bombless Prosecco brunch um, that I've just made my way into the city for. So, yeah. Glad to be here. It's going to be a fun episode. Isn't that a typical Sunday, though? No, usually I have them on Saturdays. Okay. <laughs> mm, it's, the, it's the time frame that's different. Uh, returning guest, uh, you've heard her with us before. She's our local lady in the laboratory. If this was NCIS, she'd be Abby, I suppose. Welcome to uh, Joanne, a friend of the fam. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be back. And uh, last up is myself, Chucks Montano. I suppose if you're Abby, then I am Special Agent Jethro Nibs. You guys are making me feel my age. I cannot remember any of these characters. Uh, I didn't actually come out with that one. That one was Joanne. I feel bad for presenting it as my own. It's okay, Chats. Um, we all make mistakes. I think, I think Jethro Nibs is going to stay around for a little while. Um, what are we writing with today, guys? Um, I'll, I'll go first. fish around for mine. Yeah, while you're fishing around yeah. in that bag. Guys, guys, one of my dream pens finally arrived. I mentioned this in the last episode that I recorded with Ralph Reyes from Chicago and the BYOB Pen Club. But about a month ago, I ordered a Sailor King of Pen Ebonite with a King Eagle um, Nagahara 20k gold nib. So it's like two grail pens in one because both are quite rare. And it arrived just last week, so early February. It's, it's pretty incredible. You guys are going to have to have a go. It's, it's, it's a paintbrush. It's a paintbrush. Yeah, it's I, absolutely divine. I wrote two lines with it, and I sat down, and I collected my thoughts. Yeah. It, was, it was an experience. <laughs> so um, if you don't know how it writes, this nib is basically three layers of nib, one on top of the other. And depending on the writing angle, you can get a fairly medium-sized line on the horizontal or a very, very, very thick line going across. And it's shaped like a really fat wedge if you look at it head on. But yeah, go ahead and Google it. It was made by the late um, Nagahara son from Sailor. and it's um, like an architect nib on steroids. Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> But so much smoother. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been dreaming about this for ages. So I'm so happy to have it. That's for stuff. Well, um, I also received a welcome. It, it's not a new one. It's a, I sent it off to Mike Masayama. Um, that, what was your nickname for Mike? Uh, I, I think it was uh, Mikey M. Yams. Yeah. Um, Shout the, out to Mikey Yams. Mikey uh, There was a few. There was a few. I think that was the, the one that made the, the cut. But uh, I got my pen back. It is a uh, Sailor Pro Gear uh, Rilo, the nibs.com um, 22nd anniversary edition. I'm calling, I call this one Beatrix Kiddo, black and uh, yellow. And it, uh, I personally, uh, you know, the, the reputation around uh, Mike Masayama is similar to the Hanzo Hattori reputation in Kill Bill. And it's great. It's a really fantastic um, rounded nose cursive italic on a two-tone Sailor 21K nib. It's incredible. Who wants to go next? I'll go. Um, so mine's less exciting, but I have a vanishing point today, and it is the 2014 Copper Limited Edition. Mine's number 750. I can't read the last number. Um, 750-something. Uh, also from Classic Fountain Pens, nibs.com, uh, with a medium architect nib, actually, which writes quite well for, which works quite well for me because I write at quite a low angle. So um, it's like the wannabe version of Dye's nib. 
Okay, less exciting, more so less exciting. I have a Pilot Custom Heritage 92 inked with a clay red. I inherited this pen from Chucks. And then in a separate time, I inherited the nib, which was worked on by Tav, also from Chucks. It's the it's the broad stuff that I rave about. And it's uh, it's gone on exchange to someone very deserving. Um, it's really great. Oh, it, it's your writing. It's what you're writing with. It's what you're writing with. You've got a page full of notes done in the clay red in front of you. That looks great. Uh, we should get a photo of it. Or, you know. That's a nice looking red. Wait, what, what is clay red? It's the Robert, Robert Oster one. Oh, okay. Mm. For a moment I thought it might have been Da Vinci red. Oh, I think... No. Red, I chalk. Think, um, red chalk, yeah. It's Mop like ball. trio today because I also inherited the clay red from Chucks because he said it was too brown for his liking. Okay. I like oh. those. But I like it. It doesn't look too brown from here. We're about two metres away. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I wanted something that was like... Brighter. That was like rouge hematite without sparkles. And I ended up getting <laughs> rouge hematite and filter. So yeah. we should really change your title to Generous Benefactor. Yeah. <laughs> well, so our main segment today is on memory retention and the benefits of handwriting. Um, now, we've all seen the articles that are floating around um, that claim handwriting improves your ability to process and retain information. Uh, intuitively, it sounds accurate, but um, is it true? This is something that I've done like a fair bit of reading on. Um, I think that you may have done more of the scholarly reading. This is something that's popped up since I've, mm-hmm. since I've been in uni. But I think the general consensus is that uh, it's, it's a flat yes for uh, reasons that are different, but it's, it seems to be a pretty uniform yes that writing is better for your retention, isn't it? Oh, I would say it is. I've yeah. done some research online and um, looking at all of these articles and all these journals, a lot of people are saying yes, that it has much more benefits. Yes, I you know, I don't know what to add to that other than... Joan, Joan properly read the articles as well. Like, <laughs> like I, I read abstract, you know? No, I and, didn't do much better. I read abstract, then analysis, then conclusion. No, that is three so. sections of it. I did a, too. I was in a discussion um, on Discord with Alistair Dor- who mm. helped me um, locate, trace some of these articles. Mm. And what we found was um, in the pop media, including I think some very reputable online websites, when they write these articles about how good handwriting is for creativity, for memory retention, a lot of them cite this 2014 article, I think it was, by Muller and Oppenheimer, um, mm. which I think was fairly well designed. And if you listen on, um, listeners, there's an um, interview coming up with Jenny Saunders of Larry Post, and she mentions the same article. So I think it's pretty well known by people in the field. And it concludes fairly definitively that typing has unintended consequences, which... Um, um, make it. And I believe that's related to the shallower cognitive thinking, isn't it? They think so. See, I, I I was interested in looking at this question because it sounds correct, right? And because all of us are fans of handwriting mm. and we like using our pens, it feels like we should be proponents of more people using their pens. But at the same time, I don't think that you need an excuse to use a pen i mean it, it's it like, seems like it, a, it's a little like one of those confirmation bias things where right. you're like i'm you know you know when you see these articles where people are like oh guess what a messy desk makes you a genius and i'm like come <laughs> on guys like let's you can just have a messy desk you don't need to feel you don't need to swear. feel great about yeah, it yeah or um setbacks makes you more successful later on <laughs> <laughs> things like that but also like i feel like you know you don't want to be the public policy expert who's always like it needs to have a measurable benefit to you know your studies or your work in order to be worthwhile and I don't think that necessarily has to be the case so I wanted to look at um, not just the actual scientific evidence which I think there is enough to say that there are benefits to handwriting but also looking at the articles I think there's also enough doubt for the people who really push to include more digital, more technology in education, in workplaces. Mm. I think there's enough to prove that case as well. So I don't really want to come, like personally, I don't want to come too heavily on one side or the other because I think if you use a fountain pen that has accessibility issues, you know, if, if your motor skills are in any way impaired, if you're disabled, if you're a very small child, maybe you don't necessarily think it's as important to learn to use a fountain pen as it is to learn to type. I think that's also valid. But what would you say would be some of the benefits of using a fountain pen? Well, I was just going to say that being a scientist, Mm -hmm. I don't use a fountain pen regularly because I have chemicals 
Mm -hmm. a lot. So, you know, a lot of those break down the pens or my work gets sort of washed away quite often. So I don't use them too often, but I find that outside of work, I think that writing and especially with a fountain pen, it sparks feelings when you write. I sound really silly, don't I? Like a hippie. But um, I was reading... It's funny that you've gone from like scientist to like sparks feelings. Well, going back to the scientist, I read a lot of articles where um, a lot of people who'd been through trauma, children, Mm -hmm. adult alike, who were given both a journal and a laptop to write on to express how they feeling and to process what they'd gone through the majority who were journal writing seemed to get over that trauma much healthier as opposed to those who were typing because as you're writing it seems like you're looking at the nib and you're confirming what you're saying to yourself therefore you have that time to process what's happening mm-hmm. to you as opposed to just dumping what's happened somewhere on the world wide web mm-hmm. um, so there's that I don't sit either side either I think that there's a place for both writing and both technology I'm definitely reading in that article from Mueller and Oppenheimer where they talk about about conceptual versus factual, yeah. I, I definitely think that there is a place for both moving mm-hmm. on. As Stu mentioned earlier, there is a place for both of them. And some the problem that you have with handwriting is that although it does or for me personally, it does uh, increase the memory retention. Mm. A lot of it is quite subjective. It's based on what I think is important that I'm writing down. And it's only the stuff that I'm physically writing down, using my motor skills and activating those motor skills to help me uh, remember things a little bit better. It's only that part that I remember. Whereas there could be entire sections of a conversation or a discussion that I'm not writing down because subjectively I don't think it's important and that just gets lost. Whereas if I'm typing... I'll just type everything down almost verbatim Mm. and then later on I might be able to have the opportunity to actually review what I've typed and then try and absorb it that way. So there are pros and cons of both of them. It's just if you want that immediate memory retention aspect, I do think the handwriting is a little bit better. Yeah, but before fountain pens, when I was in uni, I made a point to handwrite all of my notes, um, not because I was ever going to look at them again. I frequently never did, but the like the act of writing them them down made them clearer in my memory so for for studying or for any for anything retention and this is stepping away from uh, you know the the data and purely subjectively i found that my retention of anything happens when it's drastically higher when i write it down even if i never look at it later i i oftentimes write a shopping list and never take it with me. Like the fact that I wrote it down helps. Whereas I have the tons of notes to myself in my phone that I could not tell you what they have. <laughs> so some of them have no context. So I just have words that are there. I'll I feel them. like the only benefit to having notes on your phone is the fact mm-hmm. that you can set an alarm to them. You know what I mean? Like you can remind yourself, like, I need to know this a week from now. So a week from now, my phone will go, oh, I wrote this thing down last week that I need to remember. But to... Um, agree with Chucks. In university, when you're a science student, there's this thing called electron pushing. Any of you out there who are chemists will either agree with me or hate me on this. But electron pushing, just to give you a gist, is in a molecule, when you've got all these atoms, the atoms have electrons, and to, in a chemical reaction, all these electrons will move in the molecule itself. And that's a movement. So I went to a lot of lectures where the lecturer would either put an image of the molecule with all these arrows where the electron would go, or they would use a whiteboard and they would draw the molecule and then physically show you where that is. So even though I wasn't writing that down myself, just the movement, the arm movement of the lecturer doing that helps me to retain that information. So I feel like even outside of yourself, writing has its advantages. It's interesting um, that right now there's a big movement in presentation where they try to incorporate elements of narrative and movement, mm-hmm. um, you know, dynamic graphics with that slideshow presentation. So mm-hmm. it's like including that hand-drawn element into story so you, supposedly it's meant to help you absorb that information even, better even sort of like one of those programs uh, Prezi uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you, yeah so Prezi is great because you basically you create a, a, a massive mind map and then you refocus towards the mm-hmm. sections that you want progressively um, and it, it's a similar thing what it is is it's a focal point and that's what um, Joanne was saying about uh, like focusing on the, the nib or the you know the tip of the ballpoint when you're writing focusing everything on that um, one of the articles was talking about haptics and you know the just the unification of movement and your um you know and the cognitive ability and writing is one of the most unified acts you will have yeah whereas typing is very disconnected because with typing you don't uh, you know it actually inefficient for you to be looking at your hands so you're just seeing things as they come up on screen rather than what your hands are doing whereas with writing it's the complete opposite you know there's an intense focus and often you can't write 
while you're doing anything else. So whereas I've definitely, most of us here will leave this room and continue walking, typing out something with our thumbs um, <laughs> on the way to somewhere else. So Joanne, you mentioned earlier that it's that sensation of nib or ballpoint to paper. What about these new tablets that you can get with an actual stylus on it? Can we say this because I have one. It's meant to give you that similar sort of feedback. It's type of sensation. It's still very different. Mm. I personally haven't used one. So I, I have you? unfortunately can't say. Have you, well, Sharon? I have one. I just haven't used it. Denise. Denise is. Uh, our audio tech is uh, gesturing emphatically. She, Hello. This is the first time I've spoken. Yay. <laughs> so as an engineer that's just graduated, I extensively used a tablet with a stylus for like many years to write my uni notes. Because when we're doing maths, mm -hmm. we have to write down all the equations and, and work them out to digitize it. It's a lot easier to digitize it because even if you there's like white lines and stuff, you can write and then like they automatically um, you take a picture of it and it scans it into the cloud. But what I did was I wrote them down with um, a special app. And it would automatically save all your PDFs into Dropbox. And so even now, I'm still referring to those. I can just go back. I'm like, oh, I need to know this for work. And I just go back. And oh, it's right there. I can just look it up and use them for reference. But the act of writing them down, you'd still have to follow the lecture while it's explaining. But just that act of writing makes it a lot clearer. So for first GMAT, the lecturer would hand out worksheets and as she was trying to explain some concept, we'd have to write down the numbers, we'd have to draw all the arrows, we'd have to actually hand draw all the diagrams. I, I was still using a pencil at this point, not fountain. But when I got to second year, and I, I actually ended up buying a tablet because I ended up having to... What's the problem with paper? I was carrying five notebooks at any one time. <laughs> and they get so... The A4 full notebooks and just it was so heavy. Which is why I decided to get a tablet. They're like gigs and gigs of notes now. So you're, yeah. you're, so you're a big fan of the... Um... I'm a big fan of... Okay. So we have a trader in the room. I think the only experience I've had with tablets is I had a friend who would, for the same reason, have a tablet with all her textbooks on it. And the one thing I found really fascinating was... When I make notes in my textbook, I really have to commit because that's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. But with her, when she makes notes, she can like, oh, I can unhighlight this because it's now not important to me anymore. I think that's one of the advantages is that you can change and shift with technology. Also, also, her handwriting was terrible. So, <laughs> you know, um, when she was writing on the tablet, the tablet would sort of just change her handwriting to text. So then it became so much easier for everyone to reflect on what she was actually doing rather than her going, I don't know what I wrote here. And then having to go back into the notes and look for that piece of information all over again. Oh. So it seems really simple, but I think it's one of those really big my, advantages yeah. for technology. My, my PDFs are all completely handwritten. So oh. you can't read my handwriting. <laughs> I can That's read it. my handwriting. Fine. Your handwriting is copperplate anyway, so it's perfectly fine. Not for maths. Oh, well, yeah, sure. No, not for maths. It's pretty terrible. But you can still, you'll have to read my actual handwriting. So many of my friends who try and look at my notes can't read them because I can read them, but no one else can. Uh, it's fine. Dyer's on the side smelling her overnight pen. <laughs> it's very pungent. <laughs> no, I just wanted to comment. Um, it's interesting that you're saying that there are all these benefits of writing freehand, basically, with a tablet. Mm. And I didn't actually find any articles that compared manuscripts, so handwriting with a pen on paper, with um, a stylus on a tablet and typewriting, so on a keyboard. Those are three different modalities that I have not seen compared in a single study. And that'd be interesting, I think, because I think writing, think. yeah, because I think writing with a stylus has more in common with handwriting on paper than yeah. it does with typing. Because, right? the, because the haptics are the same. Exactly. It's, the it's, it's much closer. Yeah. Yeah. Your mind processing. There is that article that you posted up about um, from the Mangan Korean and Bronick. Oh, yeah. And they compare handwriting with a pen and paper, a ballpoint, to typing, but then really strangely to a tablet where you type, but it has the haptics of like the same exactly. sort of click when you get on the keyboard. I think the technology is just moving too fast yeah, too to fast. know what's relevant and what isn't. And by the time we gather data, there's going to exactly. be an advancement. I, I do also like that multiple times it's happened now that we've only said fountain pen and ballpoint. So rollerballs, you can go suck it. <laughs> Felt tips. Jelly. Sharpies. Pencils, even. I like pencils. There are a few um, pencil people in the group. They've actually they've yeah. talked about it. But they've got to be fountain um, pen people as well. Oh, yeah. yes. Those could be interesting people to talk to about because I, I know that one of the Melbourne guys collects pencils. typewriters. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah, a few people collect yeah. typewriters. So that's, that's something to talk about.
subjectively at least um so you know we, we've kind of delved in a little bit into the other points that uh, i was going to bring up uh, you know the advantages that analog has over digital and we d- we did uh, come around a lot more even-handed than i thought it might be well um this is something that a couple of korean scientists i think mentioned in an article that i posted to dropbox they did the study on korean students who wrote basically a set of words in english mm. So there was that learning component as well as a memory component. And they didn't actually find much difference at all between um, writing with a stylus and typing the words. So I think it'd be really interesting to compare, for example, like a Chinese student who is not used to writing like an alphabetical script and whether they find it easier to remember English words when it's typed or whether it's easy to remember when they're written. Because I think that adds a different layer to it because writing is such a complex activity. You know, there's that visual element and there's the haptics, as you mentioned. And then there's also like... like Word. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I can't say it without thinking peripatetic. It's completely different things. <laughs> um, I, but yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to how much of it is these studies are probably done on like adults or uni students, right? Like they're people- mostly done on adults and because they're done mainly in psychology and neuroscience departments they're mostly undergraduates yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean that looks at like adult learning yes so So, kids are bored linguists mm -hmm. like you know they're if they're raised digital and that's how they process information then you know developmentally it's very difficult to look at which is better for development Mm -hmm. because you can say that it's better for memory retention but you're studying like looking at undergrad students who realistically all still probably wrote everything like for for, you know money and technology reasons like most Mm -hmm. of them are not going to be typing a lot of stuff out until they're in you know college or university you know like i I was this really interests me from like an educational perspective because even the latest studies that i found were from 2017 so last year they were still doing studies on um, millennials who i guess were born in the 90s and so they would probably have learned to handwrite before they typed still um yeah, I, patrick is nodding as a millennial <laughs> well, yeah 1993 that's around that yeah so area. pretty much um so as um, more studies it gets done i think the next generation there'll be kids who were raised doing both at the same time who probably got a phone before they could get their pen license or whatever just to add a little thing before mm-hmm. you continue i spoke about this with joanne like it, we uh, a lot of us are the generation of widespread digital acceptance in terms of workplace and and school mm-hmm. like a uh, for a lot of us, um, uh, uh, at least in in my um, age group, it was like uh, beginning of high school, no one had a phone. No one ever did. Yeah. And then the end of high school, everyone had a phone, right? I don't want to go on too long for this because I'm starting to sound like an old man. <laughs> it, it, it is like a, it's, it's a level of acclimatization to yeah. technology that is very rapid. But I don't, I, I think, for example, I think the studies will show different things on people who, you know, 10 years down the track, who maybe were developed different motor skills, different cognitive habits, different note-taking habits than we have even now. Just I think 10 years will make a big difference. And I don't want to be like a Luddite and say <laughs> just taking handwritten notes are necessarily better for you. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on your note-taking strategy and which one you're more used to. You know, start with one that's that's comfortable for you and aim to improve your habits towards that technology. Because I think if there's one thing I gathered from um, my reading on this topic was the writing modality, it determines certain habits, right? And you can, you know, actively work against it to a certain extent, but you can also, you know, try to improve the areas um, where it's good. So, for example, typing, um, it allows you to get ideas down really fast. And in certain certain situations, maybe you're writing, you know, like minutes or um, if you're not very good at um, shorthand, and that could be an advantage, because it allows you to copy things verbatim very quickly. Whereas like in a science lab or a mathematics lecture, it's probably better to use a stylus or a pen because then you can, you know, go back and correct things. You can write diagrams much more fast. But I think the education will need to also adapt with the changing styles of yeah. millennials and also mm. those who learn no, how to write. But it's, it's so Digital is the world that we're sprinting towards. Absolutely. So, you know, there's, yeah. you know, working against that is not in anyone's yeah. benefit. Yeah. Well, I, I think back to when I learned Chinese, for instance. I learned Chinese twice because I needed to be taught twice and I'm still not proficient in it. The first time I learned it was everything handwritten. I retained some of it. I still know how to write my name. 
that's about it. But then the second time when I learned it, the teaching style was a little bit different and it was a lot more digitized. So I'm in this weird situation now where I'm uh, reading, speaking relatively. And typing. And typing. I can type it on an iPhone. I know how to recognize the characters. But if you wanted me to actually handwrite it. I'm exactly the same. Absolutely. Like, I just can't do it. I cannot bring myself to do it. I think there was a similar study um, in 2012, I believe, on young Chinese students Mm -hmm. where they found that test scores of these students had dropped because everything was digitized. So, you know, there was there was that. But then these students knew their way around Chinese much better than students that were focused on just learning the kanji itself. Right. So there was like a. Do you mean like the. Um, the characters, sorry. The no, no, no. So, so they know grammar and yeah, usage yeah. So and things like that better? They know how to use those words more mm-hmm. correctly in real-life situations than okay. students who are writing them because they were so focused on, I've got to get this yeah. right spatially. Mm. Yeah, know? well, the, the other thing is that the, a, a lot of school is like you want kids to do the mental acrobatics so that the for the, for the development of the, the brain, it's not necessarily information that you want them to retain. Some of the information you're going to expose them to, but you don't necessarily want them to retain that. You just want them to use the information and see if that can, for the later purposes of you know testing and assessment and all that. Permanent retention isn't necessarily the the ideal for all of for all of the things that children are being exposed to. I still only you know gun to my head three dinosaur names. Rex. Yeah. So in in the next segment. There's an interview with Jenny Saunders of Larry Post, and she used to be an optometrist. She comes into this from a different perspective, where it's the health benefits of writing slowly, of going outdoors, of you know journaling in the sunlight that she's attracted to. But for now, I'd like to hear from each of you, like, what's your top tip for getting people to write more by hand? Get Start with you, nice Sharon. Fountain pen. <laughs> Get them. No, it's. It's actually the sensation of writing. Get them something that's pleasurable to use as an instrument and something that's nice to write in, so a really nice notebook or something. Mm-hmm. Because when you have the tools that give you a pleasant experience, you're more inclined to want to do that. Mm. I'm going to go a bit of a tension, but I remember reading an article last night about someone who was very pro-technology and they were saying, see, the pro of technology is you can customise the learning experience for every child. I feel like the analogue version of this is bullet journaling. Mm-hmm. I feel like you customize your day, your goals, what you want to achieve. I think that's something that's you know really taken on board, and I don't have to recommend it. I think mm-hmm. as long as you put that on Google, you can see yeah. like how how well that's taken yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Um, I think start someone on a felt tip marker uh, so that they associate the you know the lightheadedness that you get mm-hmm. from paint fumes. Um, you know, and so that they, you know, writing becomes associated yeah, with positive a, reinforcement yeah, yeah. of getting high. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. Zero to weed really quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what's what's your tip there? I think it's really good. The paint to... marker. I, yeah, I think it's a good idea too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, okay. Get yourself a really really thick knit and just. Go wild with it. But also... Um, Get yourself an Ebonite pen so you can continue <laughs> sniffing at all episodes. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, but I've, I've been getting back into journaling again in an actual notebook, um, whether you do it in the morning or in, at night, just random journaling, not goal-based. Um, I think it's a really interesting way to spend, you know, 15 minutes. I'm actually going to come in here as well and hopefully mention something that I, I personally feel should have been mentioned. There isn't a disconnect between the technology and the actual analog thing. You can do both. Agreed. It's actually a hell of a lot better, especially in my own experience in terms of being a creative writing student. The actual creative writing things using typing because it's just a lot faster and that's the way I think. However, in terms of actually retaining something, it's a lot easier if, for example, during a lecture, I will type out as quickly as I can to get everything going, but then I'll... I will then make notes of my notes by hand. So always, if you can, try to do both because you can get the benefits of whatever you want. Customize the whole process. I think that's the takeaway from this topic. Yeah. Do both. Do, 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 do what works for you. Is, um... And use a good pen while you're doing it. Yep. Coming up next, Sophia interviews Jenny Saunders of Larry Post to find out the potential health benefits of writing and analog tools. Hello pen people, it's your friendly neighbourhood finding fan Sophia and we are lucky to have from Larry Post, a Sydney based retailer, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us again today. How are you going? 
Hi, Sophia. Yeah, I'm great. And thanks for having me on again. It's an absolute pleasure. Always a pleasure. So back in episode eight, uh, you touched upon your previous life as an optometrist. And a lot of our listeners were writing in asking to hear more about you and why you decided to make that sea change and bring Larry Post to life. Um, let us know how you came about changing and, and decided to do something completely different. I do often get that question. People say, you were an optometrist and, you know, now you're, you're working with fountain pens. But I really think that your life, particularly your work life, it's like connecting up all the dots. Mm. And, you know, as a kid, like people ask you all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you kind of think, oh, I don't know, a policeman, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then and then when you finish high school, they say, "Oh, what do you want to do?" And you you just look at these young people, and they they really don't know. They I think what they know is they know what they like. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they want to be. And you know, I'm kind of approaching the middle of life, and I'm still thinking, "Oh, I don't know," you know. <laughs> yeah. But what what you can do is connect up dots. And I I love doing optometry. I love the clinical aspects of it. But I also had a big family, and um, with that, I started to do a bit more in education and I started doing more writing and I just found that I just loved writing. I just love the idea of constructing a piece of how to make it creative so that someone in optometry might actually want to read it. <laughs> and and I think, you know, we're getting busier and busier as a society and, you know, these are the challenges is how to get people's attention, particularly when you're trying to educate or, you know, or cut through with some message and mm. I ended up doing quite a bit of writing in education. I was writing clinical trial documents and just found I love that. And, you know, we were building a few websites and we thought, oh, we don't really know how these websites work. And we just thought, why don't we build our own? And and that's how Larry Post started because we had this love of writing. You know, we're already looking for good writing tools and books and, you know, wanted to understand how websites worked. And, you know, suddenly Larry Post was born and, legs grew and we we found there's heaps of people that love this idea of somewhere nice to write and something nice to write with and you know and the other thing that surprised me and it still surprises me to this day is that the skills from optometry I actually use on a day-to-day basis like I use lots of magnification and um, microscopes to look at contact lenses and eyes and now I'm using them to look at fountain <laughs> And, you know, I would have tools in a lab to adjust a rigid contact lens, you know, change the curve on it or something very um, delicate. Mm. And now I'm looking at how I, you know, how I adjust the nib on a, on a fountain pen. And the one that's blowing me away right now is we spent, in optometry, we spent heaps of time trying to work out how to make a contact lens more wettable mm. so that it's comfortable in the eye. Yeah. And now we're doing that with inks. How can I make, how can I make this fountain pen and the nib more wettable so that it just glides across the page? And I think, you know, there's so much overlap. It's just, it just makes me chuckle. <laughs> no? and, and then the other thing that's happened is, say, over the last, you know, within a generation, we've got now a, an epidemic of short-sightedness. Mm. And like in Australia, in 10 years, pretty much, it's doubled the amount of young people that are short-sighted. Oh, wow. And if, if you go into a selective school, it's mm-hmm. double again. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, maybe it's the phones, you know, and the screens. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to say that, isn't it, to think, oh, yeah, be the phones and the screens. Mm-hmm. But as the epidemic has um, rolled along, you know, there's been heaps of research that's been done, and it's really interesting. It's actually not, you know, your eyeballs trying to look at phones and screens. It's looking like that it's a lack of time spent outdoors, that the eye doesn't get enough bright light and the consequence of that is that there's a chemical that's not released in the eye and the consequence of that is the eye grows longer and you end up short-sighted. So it's not the phone's exactly but the phones indirectly have kind of created phones and screens and technology have created this indoor life that now we don't go outside much and we don't get enough bright light for our eye to grow to the right length and you know that's just another thing that just says you know what you just got to take everything in measured amounts don't you you Absolutely. can't you can't just do all of one thing and none of you know none nothing of so that is another motivator for me uh, with my old hat on I just think you know if I can do anything to get people to spend a little bit less time on a screen and 
some more considered time just writing and enjoying the pleasure of it but the other important element is to get them outside absolutely so you're attacking it in a positive way rather than having to to cure the problem you're trying to prevent the problem in the first place Mm. and we what Sophie we're seeing like the the sales are there like fountain pen sales are way up so and it's not just fountain pens like we're doing um there's a lot of growth in urban sketching Mm. and it's all about that people I, I think people are having a very natural reaction to maybe too much technology yeah. and it's good to have these tools you know they're wonderful for so many things like you see in medicine and just in general life and in communication but you see with lots of things when they come in we go too far and then we have to pull back and mm-hmm. I think we're in that you know pulling back mode I, I read a really funny article not long ago about a guy who he he's a journalist and he writes one of the papers and he he got given by his boss a one of the Nokia phones to kind of as a detox you know <laughs> phone and anyway the the brief was that he had to do it for a month and he said after about a week he wanted to just kill that phone <laughs> and after two weeks he just gave up because he just realized he was so addicted to the whole um world of updates and instagram uh, photos. he could still write it's an interesting article if you look it up he could still write towards the end and be honest with himself and say you know what i do really need to do it i do need to detox a bit and i think that's the situation that people are finding themselves in agreed because we're just constantly consuming but we're not processing that information by taking a moment to stay uh, to step outside and and like you said sketch our surroundings we're actually a little bit more aware we're looking at the finer details we're focusing on things that we like and work to getting to know ourselves more so than when we're online and we're just reading all these updates or reading this article and laughing at it and then finding the next entertaining article so definitely by writing and and by sketching we'll be able to connect to ourselves a little bit more and like you said take a step back Mm. so yeah it is understandable why why there is that surging interest in in fine writing and and, and hobbies but what other benefits do you find follow when you you spend more time in the real world well I think the other one this this one's really interesting because I in optometry I did some uh, work in education and in that time you could see more and more students coming in using laptops in the yeah, actually in the lecture rooms and there's some guys out of Princeton that have done some research you know they were kind of a bit suspicious too they thought okay laptops are good they um they store data well um they you know allow you to do certain things you can't do with pen and paper but they could also see that they were very distracting and I think like we know that you know multitasking doesn't really exist that you don't do anything well when you try and multitask no, no. <laughs> And, and, you know, and so I think that evidence is already there that you don't do well if you try and do more than one thing at a time. But what they were worried about is that they thought not only were the laptops a distraction, you know, that students were sitting there probably doing their online shopping and updates rather than listening to the lecture, but they were actually also worried that even the diligent students that were paying attention to the lecture and typing up their notes, they still felt that they could have been at a disadvantage compared to the ones that were handwriting. Mm. So what they did is they set up this study and they had they looked at the people that typed versus the people that wrote handwritten notes and then they assess their performance on recall uh, straight after the lecture Mm -hmm. and then they did a number of other experiments that you can look up and they tested you know about a week later to see what long-term retention was like and what was really interesting was that the students on the laptops because you can type fast you know they just go gun ho and they just typed out the whole lecture so and they were kind of like it was kind of like mindless you know you know you do it yourself you sit in front of the tv and you can type 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 and can watch TV and, you know, you, you think that you're multitasking but you're not. Yeah. And the ones that wrote, they can't write at the same speed that the lecture delivers. Mm. So what you have to do is you have to actually listen and you have to synthesise. You have to go, what's that guy saying? Oh, okay, and then you write it down. And the benefit was is that's the first step to encoding information and actually learning something and thinking. And I think that's the same reason why something like a diary works, that you actually writing down and it's the first step of encoding the task that you want to do and you know so it's the first step towards doing it and then what they did is they 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 tested them and the the ones that did the handwritten notes performed much better than the ones that are typed even though the ones that are typed had a record of the whole lecture so then what they did is they redid the experiment and they said okay guys on the 
on the laptops, they realized that you're much better to synthesize. They said, don't type the whole lecture. This time, listen to the teacher, synthesize it a little bit and just write a couple of notes, just type out a couple of notes, a summary. Hmm. And so they did that experiment again. And guess what? At the end of it, they looked at the notes that the laptop users had done and they still did them verbatim. They couldn't <laughs> help themselves. And you know that, don't you? And that's like, I was talking to my daughter yesterday and I said, what do you, what do you find is good about going offline now and then? And she said, oh, mum, I hate my phone. It's just like you just know it's just drawing you in and you get this double feeling of I don't, I don't want to miss out, but I just know it's such a time waster and drawing me in. And it's just to have some other things in place to try and create a bit of discipline so that that doesn't completely consume you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's that's the challenge, isn't it, to try and use technology well but develop some other good habits that help you really stay human. You know, yeah. I, think, I think that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And that, the long short of the lecturing one is that there's quite a few lecturers now that just ban laptops in oh, the lecture hall. I had no idea. No? Wow. That's so proactive. There's another guy that did work on, he looked at the people who were on the computer and then he also looked at the one, the students that were sitting near those screens and could still see the screen, even though it wasn't theirs. Mm. They looked at their test results and the ones that could see the screen, their test result was down just as low. Oh, my God. You can't help yourself. If someone's doing their online shopping or their update, <laughs> but look and you're suddenly not paying attention to the, the lecture out the front. So it's it's actually quite funny, but it's actually quite sad as well. It is. But, like why, you know, why attend the lecture in the first place if you don't intend to, to consume that information and, and use it to your benefit? That's what the lecturers are saying. They're kind of saying, I might as well just email you the lecture. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think you'll see that. I think you'll see a lot more of, come on, guys. You know, there'll be lots of... Of, of just trying to pair it back a bit. Because I, I remember you mentioning uh, that one of your customers was in year 10 and he came by for a bit of help with a fountain pen. Uh, tell us more about that. That's interesting too. So that we, we've really just been talking about how computer can be a distraction but also that it's not as good at actually encoding information as handwriting. Mm-hmm. But he is different. This is something that – so he came down and he was struggling just with his handwriting. People couldn't read it. And he's in year 10 and he knows that, you know, he's got to do the HSC in two years and the teachers would all be saying it. You know, they're saying this to, I think, particularly boys. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just my feeling. But they're – um, looking to try and keep handwriting skills going, but I don't know that a lot is being done about it. You know, we no. talk a lot about it, but we're not actually doing it. Mm-hmm. So this guy came down, got it, you know, we just helped him out with a fountain pen and off he went and we didn't hear much from him. But the interesting bit was six months later, his English teacher turned up <laughs> and she said, what did you do? You know, like she believed the transformation. And you know, Sophia, like, you know, when you get someone who's trying a fountain pen for the first time and they're used to ballpoints that you kind of got to push around a little bit and like you know I still like ball points we I use ball points a lot but when you go to a fountain pen you it's just so little friction that it just glides across the page and you have to form the letters properly and I think the function of that is you know this is all anecdotal because there's not really a lot of evidence to say how it works but it helps you write neater then you get probably some pride kicks in and you get you know proud about your book work and you start to take more care and you want to spend more time in it so it all kind of snowballs yeah <laughs> and anyway so the English teacher came back and she bought six fountain pens and oh. she was going to take them back to the rest of the class to try and get a few more people and and I think even that case is just some kids looking at how they're going to write papers for the HSC mm. but it kind of tells you about writing in general doesn't it that like we've got this other guy who comes and he's a business consultant and he sits down with a business that maybe is struggling and he's trying to improve it or maybe it's a business that's being prepared for sale Mm. and he said and he buys quite a few fountain pens and he just has this firm belief that it's his symbol to say to that customer I'm listening and paying attention to you because he he knows he's working in a business environment where you go to meetings and people put a laptop up and even if they're not doing other things on that laptop like I'm sure there's plenty of that where people are checking email and not really paying attention 
often, which is pretty bad. Mm. But even if you're not doing that, even if they're concentrating on you, running the meeting, if you've got that physical barrier between you and them, it's just not how we connect. No. Whereas you've got a big flat and you're riding and it's beautiful riding, like there's got to be lots of wins in that. Yeah, definitely. It seems like, you know, the other person's actually truly listening to you. You want to kind of peer over and see what they're writing down about you as well. And so... Yeah, by having that laptop up, you kind of sometimes you're having to peek up over the screen just to engage. And when you're on the other side, you do feel like you're lonely. You're you're being ignored, and someone's mm. just nodding and they're typing. But like you said, they could be doing anything else. But when you've mm. got that book there, you're writing it down. Sometimes it's even worthwhile having that beside you, so one person on each side and sharing that book and making notes together, as opposed to being one person on one side of the table and the other on the other. Well, that, that's another one that we're seeing. So mm. we sell a lot of, you know, we're doing fountain pens and notebooks and plenty of that. But the other thing that we do is a lot of art supplies. And mm. we traditionally were always providing those for people who were art students or artists. But that has changed so much over 10 years. We've got, you know, much more a penetration of all those sorts of tools into business. Mm. And, you know, there's a consultancy firm that's hired illustrators. Wow. And when they, when they sit and have a meeting, the illustrator will try and capture the content of the meeting. People sit there and go, hang on, what does that mean? So it facilitates all this discussion at the time of the meeting and then also afterwards it's produced some quite good graphics, you know, and the old pictures were for a thousand words yeah. <laughs> um, that they then use as part of the communication and it might be just to share the minutes of the meeting or it might be used in a marketing sense. So it just has so much power, I think, to actually, you know, right from the way you do it, that you hold a tool and you interact with the paper right through to the visual, what you can capture and the way that humans interact over that whole process definitely it it is more human by connecting with each other with writing and with art so did you have any other recommendations to encourage people to spend more time away from their computers and their phones perhaps taking a meeting outside and and, and writing notes in a book that way that's really the sum of what i'm saying (laughs) I, i really think it's about there's three really key things and it's as far as the short sightedness goes that's get people outside particularly adolescents Mm. so outside as much as they can and it doesn't have to be in full blaze sunlight can be in the shade you get a lot more light like the difference is profound it's like 10,000 lux outside and it's 500 in a room you know it's a very different level of light so get outside is particularly for adolescents and then I think the other one is if you're a student or you're trying to learn something really think carefully about handwriting notes because there seems to be quite strong evidence that handwriting is a more effective way to learn than typing notes and then I think that the way we take those two ideas to all people is that you are going to get the same sort of benefits by doing a bit of writing yourself rather than just typing everything in a phone and to me what I see works is when you find a journal that you love like Mm. there's lots of journals around and there's this big trend for bullet journaling where we actually laugh about this because bullet journaling we've been we've seen that become more popular maybe over the last five or six years Mm. and it's really been popular in the last year And the idea of the bullet journal is that instead of having a dated diary that's templated where you only have certain boxes that you can write in, some people feel hamstrung by that because Mm. they might have a busy period, then they might have quite a quiet weekend or, you know, things change. And it's hard to find the diary that suits you. So bullet journaling is where you take any book. It doesn't have to be a bullet journal. It can be any notebook. Just find one that you love and then you create the diary. So you write in the dates and you write in your goals and you write to-dos and you can write whatever you want. You might have, I've got a young kid who's just tracking how many glasses of water he drinks. Because he wants to drink a bit more water. And the fact he's writing it down is playing on all this science that that's the first step to drinking the next glass of water. And you can see that when people get a diary that they love, like one that feels right, the paper colour's right, the line spacing's right. And I know this is sounding pedantic, but it should just be one that you actually really like and you'll find that you want to spend time in it. And I think that's the key. Absolutely. So getting the right pen with the right diary for you. And, you know, we do a simple thing in the shop where we provide sample pages mm. so that people can get that and just try one out and just see what it likes. And if you, once you get the right feeling, you go, 
I just love this. And you just write it down. And like I do a bullet journal and I just do a very simple thing because I'm not into all the, like you've seen all the Instagram. Yeah, the beautiful layouts and all the colours and highlighters. Almost intimidating, aren't they? But good on. For the people that want to do that, that's their pleasure. But for me, I'm just really practical. So I just do left-hand page is all my home to-dos and right-hand page is all my work to-dos. Oh, simple. What it means is when I get to work, I just open up the bullet journal and I only have to look at right-hand pages. And I, I find that's a real challenge that you how you separate your work from your home. But for me, that does it and it's just fantastic. And then once you've got a bullet journal, like if it's got a little pen loop or an elastic or something and you can stick a pen in, now you've got a portable desk. You know, like one of the reasons we probably move to phones is because we think they're portable. Mm. But if you've got a journal with a pen always there, you can get outside. Exactly. And oh. it's all about the sizing too. There's like different sizes available. You can have those big ones that you can keep at your desk but there's ones where you can just tuck them into your pocket and there's no excuse there when you need to write something now you just take it out write it and pop it back in yeah it's great I think just start to have a look and even just look at what you've got lying around you'll, you'll find something there and and then look at what pen you know, what <laughs> feels good in your hand what pen works well on that paper and again it kind of does sound a little bit pedantic but I think once you marry up the two you'll be surprised or you know Sophia you know you've got a good system going yourself but once you marry up those two then that's then a tool you like and a tool you like is a tool you use and that's how you kind of get things done reduce your stress get outside more walk a bit more other things make for a good life (laughs) I'd also like to kind of track back on that point you made about getting more kids involved with writing and how we're talking about it a lot but we're not doing more about it what do you think would be a great way to approach this how could we encourage kids in schools to write a lot more well I think it combines all these things doesn't it so Mm. it's very hard for us to know like you know I'm a parent I've got four kids all in school and I think it's very hard to know how much they do or don't do in terms of handwriting and it's also hard to know how much they use a computer in the class Mm. how much they use it well whether they're really being distracted by it or not but I think with the handwriting like definitely you can still know that in primary school the teachers professional dedicated teacher teaches kids how to write properly and I think what it feels like to me is that when you get to high school that it's not so much about actual handwriting and Mm. quality of handwriting and which tools to use even though that's just so like it's becoming more apparent that that's very important, you know, being able to do good handwriting. And what I would love to do is we get calls from European customers, like living in Australia, and they all tell the same story. They all tell about when I went to school, you had to write in a fountain pen, and they're just scathing of the the loss of that as a discipline. Mm. And like I had a guy yesterday who rang, and he grew up in England, and he said if you handed your homework in and it wasn't written in fountain pen, immediate 10-mark deduction. Wow. And he said when you did an exam, he said so he um, was an older fellow, so he said that when viros started to become more popular, they were getting viros and they would kind of just secretly just have them for their personal notes, you know. <laughs> and, and he's actually going to come and see me next week. But he was saying that he always found the same thing, that you'd write with your fountain pen and you'd have this beautiful handwriting and you could write quite fast. You could write for an enormous length of time because there's very little hand pressure. But then you'd go to the biro, particularly for him because he said they were new and everyone was talking about them. <laughs> and you'd do the biro for a bit and he said your, your writing would go to rubbish. And then, you know, you'd come back and you'd go, oh, that's better. <laughs> I think what we should do is we should really try and bring fountain pens back into, or not back into, bring fountain pens into school. We can get, like that boy in year 10, and we can get people to be writing, to be forming better letters, to have a nice flow and speed, to write for a long time to be proud of what they're writing. There'd be great pleasure in that. You know, I really think the right to write. Absolutely. The right to write. I love it. (laughs) 
Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much for your time today, Jen. It's always a pleasure having a chat with you. If folks want to know a bit more about Larry Post, where should they go? Simply just look up larrypost.com.au. We're in Sydney, but we, you know, we ship all over Australia and we have a lot of fun there and we're very happy to help people. And that's really it. We're just motivated to help people get good tools to do some nice creative things. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, Sophia. Thanks, Jen. Bye. All right. Well, that takes us to recommendations. For those of you tuning in for the first time, recommendations is where it doesn't have to be pen or ink or paper related. It's just stuff we like as the panelists. Uh, I'll start with Diana. So recently I've been watching a lot of movies um, because the Oscar nominees came Mm. out. I I haven't watched any of the really big names because they seemed a bit boring. So instead I've been watching a movie that came out in Australia last year called um, God's Own Country. Um, It was a little British indie film about sheep farmers and it's just the cinematography is beautiful and it's really well acted and I, it's i like that you preface this with the other one seemed boring well i don't know i guess if you want to see three billboards out of outside of ebbing missouri or the shape of water which i think is overrated then go and see those but i, I want to mention a movie that's been overlooked and it's probably a little bit harder to catch you might have to get it on itunes or video on demand or dvd but check it out it's called god's own country it's directed by francis lee and you'll see it as two new and up-and-coming actors, and I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I've been told that my recommendations have been too heavy for the past few (laughs) times. So in an effort to balance it out, uh, I'm going to recommend an album that always makes me feel uh, very happy. And it's from French uh, producers, Parisian, called Jazz Liberators. And it's hip-hop and jazz kind of fusion album. It's called Clan Dwell. It's a French phrase. um, Spell that. uh, C-L-I-N-D apostrophe O-E-I-L I was told it means something like uh, this glimmer in your your eye again uh, that is incredibly French yeah it's also something that I was told five years ago that I may not have retained because I didn't write it down And here I thought you were going to recommend an album by My Chemical Romance or something. (laughs) (laughs) Clan Dwell by um, Jazz Liberators is a great album. A lot of the albums that I tend to keep in my life are the kind that I can picture playing on a Sunday afternoon and not things that I necessarily expect to hear in a neon lit dance floor at three in the morning, which I also love, but I don't necessarily want to listen to that music all the time. It's it's too much. Joanne. Okay, uh, so I think I'm coming up a little bit short on today's recommendation, but today's recommendation is a recipe. It's two arrowroot biscuits with a Turkish delight squished in between. My God. And it is a wonderful afternoon snack paired with a very black tea. It was introduced to me by my Palestinian boss. So I'll wow. that again. It was a pomegranate flavored Turkish delight between two arrowroot biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know how you go. I'm not gonna lie, that sounds amazing though. It is. <laughs> describe what an arrowroot describe what an arrowroot biscuit is for, for, for our US listeners. Yeah, um, so if you go into Woolworths, there is in the Arnott section a packet of biscuits called arrowroot biscuits. It's quite dry and it's. It is um, quite bland. Yeah. Oh, you mean actually describe the biscuit? Yeah, Yeah. it's very crumbly, kind of bland. It's not too sweet either, hence the Turkish delight. And it goes very well if you choose to dip it in milk. But that's my recommendation. I'm going to have to try that. (laughs) I think that's the best recommendation (laughs) we've had. Yeah, Yeah, it's second only to your last recommendation of sunscreen. Yeah, which 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 derailed all of the other recommendations. Um, So I didn't actually have a recommendation today because I spent all of today having a complete rant, so consider this my anti-recommendation. I sat next to a guy on a bus this morning (laughs) who had a a quote-unquote coffee order of a weak almond latte with honey. (laughs) Guys, if you're going to have a coffee, that's not a coffee order. That is like your milkshake order or that is your morning chocolate milk order. (laughs) It's not a coffee, right? If you're going to have a coffee and you don't want that much caffeine, get decaf. If if you want... A weak almond latte is really like, you know, I don't have anything to do today, but I kind of want to feel more awake. (laughs) (laughs) So basically it's wishful thinking in a way. But this was... 
9 a.m. in the morning. Like 9 a.m. on a morning. Sunday morning. Yeah. And you're having a weak almond latte with honey. You may as well just skip the coffee altogether. But in terms of actual recommendations, and this one's actually kind of pen and paper related. So Midori has come out with their new 10th anniversary products, which we didn't get time to put in a new segment. They're fantastic. Midori paper. Big two thumbs up. And I don't would, drink weak almond lattes with honey. I would oh love to do a, an anti-recommendation from one person every episode. <laughs> I, would, I would love to do it. Yeah, right on the we come off a little bit judgy, but <laughs> it's a weak almond latte. <laughs> Like almond milk latte, almond milk. but it's weak. It's, almond milk is it's, pretty gross. It's, it's basically a strong almond milk is what it is. <laughs> like you can just drink almond milk out of a can. Oh, no, sorry, not a can, a carton. Canned almond milk sounds horrible. Is that an industry? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that note well, that, that takes us to the end of the episode. Thank you very much for joining us, Joanne. Thank you once again, Sharon. Thank you. Always great to have you um, this time in front of the mic die. Thank you so much. Well, my name is Chucks. And uh, until next time, listeners, ink well. Future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, or feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producers this episode were Diana Dai, Chucks Montano, Sophia Lay, Patrick Antolovich, and Denise Tang. Special thanks to Jenny Saunders for taking the time to speak with us, and thanks to Alistair Dawes for his research assistance. Recording and editing was done by Patrick Antolovich and Denise Tang. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Gruff. Thanks for listening.